Peace be with you. And I see that most of us remembered to set our spring ahead here, huh? I thought we voted that uh, away. No. Maybe next year. Huh. You know, it's, uh, somebody said only Americans or uh, one segment of the people think that they can cut the top of a blanket off and sew it on the bottom and make it a longer blanket. And that's kind of how it feels with this kind of thing. So, well, welcome. And hi, Patty. <laughs> Patty Peterson is visiting us, and we haven't seen you in a long time. It's welcome back, and it's nice to see you. And, and so uh, I don't know if anyone's surprised, but yeah. Oh, Luann says, hey, look, she pointed. So, yeah. <laughs> so welcome. We're glad to have you. What a joy it is. And um, for announcements this morning, B.O.B., you're going to do the announcements for us, and then we'll get started. This week we have uh, music via the internet, and next week, <laughs> and thank you, Tim, and uh, next week we'll have uh, Diane, and the following week will be uh, Nick De Palacio. Okay? Thank you. Good morning. I don't know if you realize this or not, but in lieu of a pay raise, uh, you know, the, the council is reading the announcements for pastor. It's a joke for pastor. All right. Um, we've got about eight bullet points this morning. Uh, this month, we're sending our financial support to Robin's Nest. And now Robin's Nest is, uh, supports at-risk students, homeless students in uh, Huntington Beach, Newport Beach. And they provide safe housing, gift cards, and local supermarkets, two super, local supermarkets, mental health, clothing, and hygiene needs to students ranging from 14 to 18. So that's a, that's a worthy cause I'm sure we can, we can get behind. As usual, Sit and Be Fit will be with us on Tuesdays. So I've never been there, but I understand it's, it's, a, it's a great social and, and physical event. The Linton study um, continues. It's going to be, uh, please join us for lunch and a study through the book, A Shepherd Looks at the 23rd Psalm by Philip Keller, and it's on Tuesdays, and it's led by our favorite sheepdog, Pastor Ken. Um, the men's Bible study, we meet uh, every Saturday at 8. Um, we usually have donuts, so, you know, if you're in need of a sugar rush. It's a, it's a, good, it's a good, solid study, and, it, and it's a lot of fun. Um, just ask us, we'll tell you. Homebound. Uh, please consider sending notes and or calling our members who are homebound. There's an updated list of names and their contact information in, on the table in the Northex. Praise. Um, this is a new item. In your bulletin, you'll see uh, it's on page 5, and it's a place to praise our Lord and Savior. We encourage uh, all to write your praises down here and or email them to Ashley. And, and birthdays and wedding anniversaries, again, if you would like your birthday or wedding anniversary announced, please, uh, please fill out the forms that are found out back. And I bet you if you let Ashley know, she'd, she'd take care of it as well. Um, the music, as Pastor mentioned, we are grateful and praise God, our, our, our pianist Nick and organist Diane. Uh, if you have any special music requests, um, please don't give them to Tim. Um, please let Ashley know, and, uh, and we'll see about getting them done. Um, but you can talk to Tim, he doesn't mind. 
Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday services. Now, this, this, is, um, this is your upcoming services. April 6th is going to be Monday, Thursday. It's a soup supper at 4. And it's going to be in the fellowship, followed by the service at 5 here in the sanctuary. And then April 7th is going to be our Good Friday service, and it's going to be at noon in the sanctuary. Um, and if you would like to assist, <laughs> always, uh, these services, uh, there's a sign-up sheet again back in the narthex. And uh, we are grateful to all those who serve, uh, everyone who, who takes part in, in making this church available and ready. And, and uh, I know as a member of council, your, your contributions and your faithfulness don't go unnoticed. So thank you. Thank you, Bob. Please stand if you're able. We come together this morning in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open and all desires are known, and from whom no secrets are hid, Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit that we may perfectly love you 
and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Let us confess our sins to God our Father, most merciful God. We confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your presence in eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his Son to die for you. And for his sake, he forgives you all of your sins. And as your called and ordained servant of Christ, and by his authority, I therefore declare to you the entire forgiveness of all of your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace from above and for our salvation, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace of the whole world, for the well-being of the church of God, and for the unity of all, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house, and for all who offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Help, save, Comfort and defend us, gracious Lord. Glory to God in the highest and peace to his people on earth. Lord God, heavenly King, almighty God and Father, we worship you, we give you thanks, we praise you for your glory. Lord Jesus Christ, only Son of the Father, Lord God, Lamb of God, you take away the sin of the world. Have mercy on us. Lord, 
You are seated at the right hand of the Father. Receive our prayer. For you alone are the Holy One. You alone are the Lord. You alone are the Most High. Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. O oh God, whose glory it is always to have mercy, be gracious to all who have gone astray from your ways and bring them again with penitent hearts and steadfast faith to embrace and hold fast the unchangeable truth of your word. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. You may be seated. Good morning. First reading today is from the book of Exodus, chapter 17, verses 1 through 7. If you want to read along, you can find that on page 114 in your pew Bibles. Exodus 17, 1 through 7. The whole Israelite community set out from the desert of sin, traveling from place to place as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. So they quarreled with Moses and said, give us water to drink. Moses replied, why do you quarrel with me? Why do you put the Lord to the test? But the people were thirsty for water there and they grumbled against Moses. They said, why did you bring us out of Egypt to make us and our children and our livestock die of thirst? Then Moses cried out to the Lord, what am I to do with these people? They're almost ready to stone me. The Lord answered Moses, go out in front of the people, take with you some of the elders of Israel and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will stand there before you by the rock at Hareb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it for the people to drink. So Moses did this in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the place Massa and Meribah. And because, I'm sorry, the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? So we'll now read uh, Psalms 95 verses one through nine responsibly. And it's printed in your bulletin on page six. Psalm 95, 1 through 9. Come and let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout out loud to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before him with thanksgiving and extol him with music and song. 
For the Lord is the great God, the great King above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the mountain peaks belong to him. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry earth. Come, let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture, the flock under his care. Today, if only you would hear his voice. Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the wilderness. Where your ancestors tested me, they tried me, though they had seen what I did. The next reading is from the book of Romans, chapter 5, verses 1 through 18, or 1 through 8. And this can be found on page 1752 in the Pew Bible. Romans 5, 1 through 8. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace by which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings, because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love, his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Here ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. shall we go you have the words of eternal life hallelujah the holy gospel according to saint john from the fourth chapter glory to you O lord our gospel this morning is from saint john chapter 4 verses 5 through 30 and then verses 39 through 42 and can be found on page 16 51 in your pew Bible. John records, So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, and near a plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? And his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
For Jews do not associate with Samaritans, is what John commented on. So Jesus answered her this, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did all of his sons and his livestock? And Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. And he told her this, Go, call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is... Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but... You Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the Spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is Spirit, and his worships, worshipers must worship in Spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that the Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus declared, I, the one speaking, is he. Just then, his disciples returned, and they were surprised to see him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? And then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and she said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and they made their way toward him. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, 
We no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves. And we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. During the time that after Jesus rose from the dead and before he ascended into heaven, he gave instructions to his church. Luke records in Luke 24, 46 and 47, Jesus' words, he said, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer, should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning with Jerusalem. The preaching of repentance means confronting people in their sin, in their idolatry, in their disrespect, in their hatred, in their gospel, their adultery, and all the other ways that they break God's law. When Jesus tells his church to preach repentance, he himself tells us to make people aware of their need for a Savior by making them aware of sin. That is what repentance is. Then, when the terror of sin forces them to see the need for a Savior, the sweet, sweet gospel tells them exactly who that Savior is. The sweet gospel tells of the forgiveness of sin in Jesus' name. It tells people that Jesus Christ is the one and only true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary. It tells people that he has redeemed them. He has redeemed them, those who are lost and condemned creatures. He purchased and won them from all sins, from death and from the power of the devil. It tells people that he did this not with gold or with silver, but with his holy precious blood and his innocent suffering and death so that we may be his own, that we may live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he has risen from the dead and lives and reigns 
in all eternity. The more that we understand about our sin, the deeper the love of God becomes to us. Jesus once described this love when people criticized a sinful woman for washing his feet. He said this, and Luke records it in Luke 7, 47. Perhaps you'll remember or recognize this. Jesus said, I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But he who is forgiven little loves little. Let me unpack this. With these, with these words, Jesus teaches us that the one who feels sin the greatest, the one who feels sin the greatest, loves the Savior the most. There's another saying, perhaps you've heard it, that puts it this way, and it does it well. The only people who go to heaven are those who know they deserve to go to hell. Just yesterday, just yesterday morning, a man who I know, someone I love, somebody I respect, said this. I don't know why he came and, to, and he chose me, that he chose to save me, but I'm sure glad he did. This week's gospel has many things to teach us. And one of those things is the example of Jesus as he proclaimed repentance and the forgiveness of sins to that woman at the well. From this encounter, we learn how Jesus deals with all of us, every single one of us, as he sends his servants to terrify us with the law so that we can receive the salvation of the gospel. The interaction began like this, as you'll recall, as Jesus asked the woman for a drink of water. And this was strange for, for two reasons. First of all, the woman was a Samaritan, and the Jews did not get along with the Samaritans. It is, it's very likely that the Jews and the Samaritans would have been at war had it not been for the Roman occupation. And the second thing that is unusual was that she was a woman. And men at the time generally had little, if anything, to do with a woman who was outside of their extended family. And that is the reason that the Samaritan woman expressed such surprise with a reply when she said, how is it that you, a Jew... Ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria. And then, as I read in, in the gospel this morning, John the evangelist, kind of the reporter on the spot, says, for Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans, just so that you know. But that was important enough for him to write that, to explain it to us. This was unusual. Then Jesus, we read, began talking to her about living water. And last week, you'll recall that Jesus had told Nicodemus that he had to be born of water and spirit. And now this week, 
He is the source. Jesus is the source of living water. Water that will become a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. And the woman was intrigued. And that is when Jesus began to work on her with the law. Let me explain. Jesus said to her this, Go call your husband and then come here. Go away, get your husband, come back. And this was a reasonable request. It really was. As I said before, men did not normally interact with women outside of their family. Instead, a man normally went through another man, uh, a man who was closely related to the woman, a husband, a father, an adult son, or some other close relative. And it is in this case, however, that this ordinary request began a process that would cause the woman to confront her guilt. She had no husband. And then Jesus just laid her sins out before her. He said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands. And the one that you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And Jesus laid out this woman's lifestyle of adultery, a sin that was punishable by death, a sin that is still evil in God's eye today, a sin that, etern- that, that earns eternal punishment. He laid it right out for her to see. And it may, it may seem that God is cruel when he forces us to face our sin. But that is not the case. This is actually part of the love that God has for us. As the Holy Spirit shows our sin to us, he shows that we cannot save ourselves. He shows us that we must receive our salvation from outside of ourselves. He shows us our need for a Savior. And it is this reality check with the law that prepares us for the living water of the gospel. In a similar way, it may seem that a pastor, your pastor, any pastor, may seem cruel, judgmental, arrogant, and so forth when he points out our sin. In fact, it is just the opposite. No one, no one can become a Christian until they have a sense of their own sin. No one can remain a Christian unless they remain ever aware of their own sin. And Jesus himself often taught that the appreciation for the love of the Savior only deepens as the awareness of our sin increases. And when a pastor points out the depth of your sin, it is only because he wants you to appreciate the infinitely greater love 
of the Father and of the Savior. You need to remember that a faithful pastor understands himself to be a sinner of the blackest evil. That he simply wants you to know the great comfort of a Savior who can forgive even his most grievous sins. You see, once the law has softened our hearts, the Holy Spirit uses the living water of the gospel to show our Savior to us. And notice how Jesus brought the gospel to the woman at the well. Jesus said, or rather, the woman said to Jesus, that I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And then Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. And the same Jesus who presented this woman with her sin, just now he shows her the salvation from that sin. It is Jesus who is the gospel in the flesh. He is the Messiah, the Christ, the anointed one. He is the Savior from all of our sins. The Holy Spirit used the words to work faith in this woman. It was just as Jesus had said. She became a spring of living water. The living water of the gospel quickly became a fountain in this woman. The woman left her water jar and she went away into the town and said to the people, Come, see, a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? The living water produced an instant missionary. God used the living water of the gospel that came out of this adulterous woman to perform a, an immense miracle. You see, a Samaritan town, a Samaritan town asked a Jewish rabbi to teach them. And he did. He taught them for two days. Imagine this. Can you imagine today Palestinians allowing a Jewish rabbi to teach them for two whole days? Eventually, the people of this town confessed we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. These people only had the books of Moses, but that was enough. They knew that this was the seed of the woman that God had promised to Adam and Eve in the garden. They knew that this was the offspring of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, through whom all the nations of the world would be blessed. They knew this was the fulfillment of all the sacrifices required by the law of Moses. 
And they knew that this was God's sacrifice who would give up his life for the sins of the world. And because Jesus lovingly hammered a Samaritan woman with the law, a whole Samaritan village came to the knowledge of God's salvation through the teaching of a Jewish rabbi, a Jewish rabbi who is their Savior. And it is interesting to compare this week's gospel with last week's gospel. For last week's gospel told us about the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus the Pharisee. This week's gospel tells us about a Samaritan woman at the well. And these two gospels are just just one chapter apart in the gospel according to John. And, And I have to think that the Holy Spirit inspired this arrangement so that we would make this comparison. The comparison is this. From a cultural viewpoint, these two people were about as far as part away as possible. A Jew versus a Samaritan. A man versus a woman. A righteous Pharisee versus a sinful adulteress. It would be very hard to find two people who were more different in the first century Israel. (coughs) Excuse me. Now as we compare these people, we notice that the woman at the well, the woman at the well responded to Jesus immediately. Did you catch that? Immediately she got up, she left her jar and went into town. Nicodemus, however, the Pharisee, he took more time. The sinful adulteress became a Christian faster than the righteous Pharisee. Hmm. We see this throughout the Gospels. We do. We see tax collectors and prostitutes and other sinners. They came to Jesus in droves. Meanwhile, the people who thought they were righteous, they stayed away. The people who should get it, don't get it. And the people who should not get it, receive it with eager hearts. The people who felt their guilt the very most came to Jesus first. And the people who felt their guilt the least came to Jesus the last, if they came at all. The Bible's main message is that the Son of God took on human flesh, that he lived a perfect life under the law, and he died on the cross in order to save sinners. And it is the duty of your pastor to proclaim Christ and him crucified. It is the duty of your pastor to proclaim that so that you qualify for that salvation. When flight attendants give instructions for emergencies at the beginning of the flight, you know, the ones that nobody pays attention to, they tell the passengers to place the oxygen mask on themselves first and then go and take care of the people around them. 
And in a similar way, when Jesus tells the church to proclaim repentance and the forgiveness of sins in his name, I need to proclaim it to myself first. I need to begin with my own evil self and the forgiveness that Jesus has for me. And only then can I proclaim that message to others. It is only when the church proclaims the message to herself first that she can go on and proclaim it to the world. Our message to the world is this. Well, let me tell you what it's not. Our message is not that Christians are better than anyone else. It is that Christians are in the process of becoming honest about our sins. And it is only as we see our true depravity in the law that we begin to see the love that God has for us in that God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5, 8. Through that death, we receive forgiveness of sins, life, and salvation. For there is forgiveness of sins, and there is also life and salvation. It is in the name of Jesus. Amen. I was the woman, the woman at the well. I went there in daylight, cause it always felt like people were judging me and calling me names. Then Jesus showed up, and I'll never be the same. He sat down beside me and asked for a drink. He told me this water was not what I need. The water that Jesus gives never runs out. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. I drank from his water and I'll never thirst again. And now I believe that He is the Savior, Messiah, the King. His living water washes my heart clean. My story was written by Jesus Himself. I'll always be thankful He
best gifts never runs out. Believe me, I know what I'm talking about. I drank from his water, and I'll never thirst again. With Jesus, that's where my life began. Will you please stand if you're able? Let us now confess together our faith to the words of the Nicene Creed on page 3 of your bulletin. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. And on the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. And with the Father and the Son, he is worshiped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in the one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. As a family in Jesus Christ, let us pray. Dear Lord, God Almighty and Heavenly Father, we gather this morning as one to praise your holy name. Heavenly Father, thank you for choosing us to be saved by the sacrifice of your only Son, Jesus. We certainly don't deserve your mercy, especially as we continue to sin against you in our daily lives through our acts, our thoughts, and our omissions. We also give our thanks to your Holy Spirit, who brought us to faith in your Son's saving grace, who remains within our hearts, and for keeping us in that faith through our daily struggles and the doubts Satan places before us every day. Dear Lord, we have trust issues. It seems no one on earth, and especially in our nation these days, is capable of telling the truth anymore and chaos, crime, destruction, and evil is everywhere. Most of us were raised to trust our government, at least to a large degree. The leaders we have elected, our news media, and our constitutional freedoms. But none of these seem dependable anymore, and all are under attack. 
hatred abounds, and the devil roams freely in, our, in the nation. You have protected since its founding. Other nations around the world see our weakness and seek to destroy us. We know you discipline those who fail to trust in you for protection, and that you also discipline those whom you love when they turn away from you as we have done. Your word in Holy Scripture paints a clear picture throughout human history of your involvement in human affairs. Please continue to forgive our doubts and ignorance and withhold your discipline. Please continue to shine your light on those practicing evil in our midst, but especially within our schools, and protect our children from physical and mental harm, deceit and outright lies by those charged with helping to educate them. Help us as adults who should know better than to follow the deceitful promises of Satan, to stand firm in our faith in you as Almighty God and in your Son, our Savior Jesus, even when the masses around us seek to cancel our voices. Holy Spirit, please calm our hearts and minds and enable us to focus on our Father's promise to always protect and keep us. We pray you would hold us together and place us back on the right path, your path, rather than allowing us to collapse in our own arrogance as so many other great kingdoms have done over the ages when they have turned from you. Lord, we thank you for all of the blessings you have given us as a nation and as individuals. We are sorry that we have thought of ourselves as deserving and entitled, especially when we look at those in other nations around the world. Please forgive our self-centered attitudes. Lord, we pray for those who are lonely, distraught, fearful, in despair, or frustrated and angry. We know there are many around us in our personal families and in this church body who fit this description. Please help us provide the care and counsel that would alleviate their stress and bring comfort to those who feel lost and powerless. We pray for healing for those we know who are sick or injured. We ask that they be healed in our presence, but if that is not your will, that they be brought home to you without pain or suffering, and that those remaining here would be comforted by your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, for temperate weather gentle rains, and refreshing snow upon our mountains. Your hand in nature has brought calmness and refreshment to our souls. Even so, we pray for those around our nation who still suffer from floods, winter storms, and other natural and man-made disasters. We pray for the safety of our armed forces, police and other law enforcement officers, firefighters, and medical professionals. Please shield all of them from harm. We also pray for all victims of war and armed conflict wherever they are. We pray that you would intervene in the hearts of those whose personal greed and desire for power leads to war and destruction. Please, Lord, humble their minds or cause them to be removed from power in order to bring peace between nations. Holy Father, we thank you again for choosing to save us from eternal damnation through the sacrifice of your only Son, Jesus. In humility, we ask that your Holy Spirit would call loudly and persistently to those whom we love that have not yet heard your call to faith in Jesus. Please save them as well. 
Finally, we now share with you our personal prayers kept deep in our hearts or spoken aloud. Into your hands, Lord, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. May the peace of the Lord be with you always. Let us share the peace. I have a, a, a request, though. I must have kept you long because it's almost 10. Um, can we share the peace with the person to our back of us, to the front of us, and to our left and right, and then we'll get started with uh, Holy Communion. Will you pray with me? Blessed are you, O Lord our God, maker of all things. Through your goodness you have blessed us with these gifts. With them we offer ourselves to your service and dedicate our lives to the care and redemption of all that you have made. For the sake of him who gave himself for us, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is indeed right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places offer thanks and praise to you, O Lord, Holy Father, through Christ our Lord. You bid your people cleanse their hearts and prepare with joy for the Paschal Feast. Renew our zeal in faith and life, and bring us to the fullness of grace that belongs to the children of God. And so, with the church on earth and the hosts of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, Lord God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. In the night in which he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus took the bread and he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And again, after supper, Jesus took the cup and he gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and drink, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and for all people, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. For we know that as often as we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, that we proclaim Christ's death, his resurrection, and his glorious coming again. Let us now pray together the prayer that Jesus gave to us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. 
Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, our, our communion here is for all who believe, all who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, and I heard you do it. If you claim him as he's claimed you first as Lord and Savior, then come. The table is prepared. The ushers will bring you forward.
heaven is near. 
Now the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Before you leave, so.